From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Monday, April 12th. A conservation group in San Juan County, Utah, is suing the Bureau of Land Management over land it leased to oil and gas developers in 2018. From our partners at KUER, Kate Grutzinger has more. The lawsuit involves public land between Bears Ears and Hovenweep National Monuments. It claims drilling there could cause irreparable damage to cultural sites. Don Simonis is an archaeologist who worked for the Bureau of Land Management in San Juan County until 2017. He says opening the land up to drilling puts tons of archaeological sites at risk. This area has the greatest density of sites of any place in the United States. I mean, there's just so many little surface hamlets and there's thousands of them. Josh Ewing is the director of Friends of Cedar Mesa, the group that brought the lawsuit. Ewing says the Bureau did not properly assess the potential damage to these sites before leasing the land under former President Donald Trump. Friends of Cedar Mesa is not against all energy development, but the way the Trump administration went about this, it was just a fire sale of leasing. So that was inappropriate. The Biden administration has currently paused all leasing on federal public land. But existing leases like these can still be developed. Kate Gretzinger, KUER News. To better understand how the COVID-19 pandemic affected Utah women and girls, the Women's Leadership Project at USU surveyed 3,500 women across the state this January. From our partners at Utah Public Radio, Ellis Julin has this report. Findings from the Utah Women in Leadership Project survey indicate that Utah women bore the brunt of negative consequences of life during the COVID-19 pandemic. Survey results show that 16% of women either left the workplace or reduced their hours out of necessity for their company's sake or because of other obligations. The pandemic only added to the higher amounts of unpaid care work women already perform, according to Susan Madsen, the director of the Utah Women in Leadership Project. And then you get more of that unpaid care work during the pandemic and are wrestling with trying to work full-time, part-time. It really has been a challenge for women. And our research found significant burnout of women across the state and who work in different industries. Another key finding was that 9% of women surveyed were concerned about domestic violence or increased domestic violence in their home during the pandemic. One in three Utah women will experience domestic violence in their lifetime. Madsen hopes this data increases awareness and prompts efforts to fix the problem of domestic violence. So that's a significant number, and this data can be helpful for developed public policy or making decisions. We, we really don't give the resources needed for women who have suffered and are victims of domestic violence and sexual assault in this state. And while the survey results highlight many concerns, Madsen says there is lots that can be done to address these issues. And when you understand where you're at in terms of we have results about money concern and mental health and exhaustion and those things, then you can think specifically of what can we do to change that, whether it be a company, whether it be community programs, whether it be public policy, legislation. Uh, There's many things that we can do to really support women and families, which also support men. With Utah Public Radio, I'm Ellis Julin. Wyoming lawmakers passed several bills aimed at protecting the state's coal interests this legislative session. That's despite the industry being in the midst of a steady decline. Two major mines in the Powder River Basin announced closures this year, and there are already 40 percent fewer miners employed statewide compared to just a decade ago. From our partners at KHOL in Jackson Hole, 
Milwaukee reports on the state legislature's efforts to fight economic trends impacting Wyoming's coal communities. Coal production peaked in the Cowboy State in 2008 when miners extracted over 466 metric tons of the Black Rock from the heart of Wyoming coal country. In 2020, the state's annual yield fell to less than half that amount, according to the Wyoming State Geological Survey. Glenn Morell is a geologist by training. He says production will slightly rebound in 2021, but that the mammoth numbers of 2008 are probably a relic of the distant past. 2020 was a bit of an aberration there. It was, it was an impact of a very you know, unforeseen sort of black swan event, that being COVID. And that's, I think the rebound from that is occurring. There is a far uh, more significant long-term uh, trend, which is in place as well. And unfortunately, that does not look good. Morell is also executive director of the Wyoming Energy Authority, a government-supported agency working closely with state governor Mark Gordon and other major energy stakeholders. In that role, Morell advocates for all aspects of the state's energy industry, from coal to solar and wind. Wyoming intends to continue to power the nation. We've contributed to the to the overall well-being of literally hundreds of millions of Americans over the last five decades through the provision of cheap and reliable energy. We want to continue to do that. We want to continue to do that within all of the above energy mix. That means investing in new technologies like carbon capture in the long term, but also promoting renewables now. Because, like it or not, Morell says that's where the energy economy is heading. It doesn't matter which market you're looking at, whether it's the Californian market or the Texas market. Consumers have a prevalent and expanding interest and desire and demand for low emissions energy. Morell has known about these trends for years. So, too, have state lawmakers. But that hasn't stopped them from trying to save the coal economy this legislative session. As of press time, several bills aimed at slowing coal's decline in Wyoming have passed both the state house and Senate and have reached the governor's desk for final approval. Several state senators explained why it's so critical that these bills pass in a lengthy debate in late March. Here we are facing the loss of jobs, facing the loss of communities as we know them. For the love of coal, I love this bill and, and, and the efforts to fight for coal. Well, I think we have to fight the fight. We have to we have to spend the money to fight this fight. I can tell you the people in my district demand it. Thank you. One of the bills set to become law would put up more roadblocks for utility companies looking to close a power plant. Another would allocate $1.2 million for the governor's office to sue other states that impede Wyoming coal. Senator Mike Garou of Jackson opposed that controversial lawsuit funding bill on the Senate floor. I'm not so sure it's a wise expenditure of our money right now. We seem to be in a, in a mode where we're looking at all our expenses and cutting, but here we seem to just take carte blanche and put caution to the wind. Wyoming is already tied up in a lawsuit against the state of Washington after it blocked the development of a coal export terminal. The case was filed in the U.S. Supreme Court over a year ago, but no action has been taken since. Opponents of the litigation bill say it's funding a losing battle in a tight budget year. For his part, Morell says none of the proposed laws can reverse economic trends. However, he says they do protect the state's interests under his organization's mission to support all aspects of Wyoming's energy economy, even the declining ones. We have a far brighter future ahead of us if we take proactive steps forward rather than try to just um, bury our heads in the sand and pretend something's not happening. Coal use may be fading in the United States, but it was still increasing worldwide before the pandemic here. And Wyoming wants to play a part in global markets, particularly in Asia. Morell says even in the U.S., there will still be a place for coal in the near term. Is coal going away? No. 
it's too uh, cheap, it's too abundant, we're too good at extracting it for coal to ever disappear. It's, it's always going to be a part of the energy mix in some way or form. Morell also says that the decades-long renewable energy targets from governors and nations, while aspirational, are enormous undertakings given the current state of technology and the spatial footprint needed for some renewables like wind. But that won't stop many leaders from trying. Governor Gordon recently announced a statewide goal to eliminate carbon pollution from the power sector by 2035, all while still supporting fossil fuel workers. That's actually similar to President Joe Biden's plan to achieve net zero emissions by 2050, a goal he announced in late January. We need to be bold. So let me be clear. That includes helping revitalize the economies of coal, oil and gas and power plant communities. We have to start by creating new good paying jobs capping those abandoned wells, reclaiming mines, turning old brownfield sites into new hubs of economic growth, creating new good-paying jobs in those communities where those workers live because they help build this country. Despite the shared interests of the state and national agendas, Wyoming is fighting the Biden administration over its moratorium on approving new oil and gas leases on federal land. The state is also pushing hard for national support for carbon capture, which may help keep coal extraction alive. In essence, Wyoming is indicating that it wants to do its part in fighting climate change, but it wants to do so under its own terms. Will Walkie, KHOL News. That story comes from our partners at KHOL in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And that's the news for Monday, April 12th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.